Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. I want to talk to you about awakening today. Awakening. You look up the word awakening, you Google it, and that's all you put. You'll get like a mental health thing. You'll get like a counseling slash health thing going on. Uh, people just come up with an aha moment awakening. But uh, God's word talks about a revival, but I want to talk about from a spiritual awakening. What does that do to our spirit? And uh, I believe God's wanting to do something in this day and time in our lives. But let's go to Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10. It says, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. So Ezekiel is in a vision. God brings Ezekiel out into a vision. He said, And he sent me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surfaces of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Not only were there a lot of bones, but they were dry. And he said to me, God said to Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. He said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. I will lay ascendance upon you and will cause flesh to come up on you and cover you with skin and put breath, uh, breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. So Ezekiel said, I'm going to do and say what you told me to say, Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone, not just the hip bone landed up on the head. No, it was an order and a structure because God is in it. Everything God's in has an order and structure. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. He said, in other words, prophesy, they begin to breathe. Prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, and thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Hide me behind your cross today. Let every word I speak, God, be from your throne. Touch God. Bring an awakening to our spirits. Bring an awakening to our region. Not more than a series of services, but God, a true move of your Holy Spirit. God, a genuine move that will awaken us to a new perspective and reality in you. But God, not just us, but our region. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise for seeing you today. You guys look fantastic. Also, we want to say to our online church today again, thank you so much for being with us. Can we let our online church know how much we appreciate them being with us today? What is an awakening? An awakening, there's so many different terms for it, but we're talking about from a spiritual perspective. What is an awakening? It's having a realization of who God is and who we are and seeing ourselves as falling short somewhere or completely because all have fallen short of the glory of God as individuals or regions or at a congregation or nationally. You know, we look for so much change in the world, and we look everywhere for change, but we never go to the right place for change. 
I mean, we'll look and say, well, if they'll put this legislation in, that'll just change everything and help us. You know, and, and reality is that Washington's never made changes that's really helped us. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but the change that Washington needs is for the church to change and get right with the Lord and get where we need to be. Amen? Do you believe that? I believe that. I believe that we should be impacting Washington and not, not waiting for Washington and the White House to impact us. I believe sometimes our mind just... We, we look so much for change and for good things to happen, but we look for humanity to do it and not God. When God is the author and the finisher of everything, we should be looking to Him for that type of change. But we've seen awakenings over time, okay, uh, throughout history. The first great awakening for me, uh, there's some that history calls first great, second great awakenings, and we'll go over that. But the first great awakening for me, when it comes from a scriptural uh, standpoint, is in Acts chapter 2 that we see on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, 38 through 41 that the Holy Spirit had came down in such a way that the Apostle Peter preached and you've heard me talk about it over the last few weeks that people's hearts begin to melt after God. They're like, what shall we do to be saved? And in that moment, 3,000 were saved. And then after that moment, every day, it seemed as the church was growing. It said every day, day by day, the church grew. That daily people were added because they were being saved. And there was an awakening taking place. So, but according to history, people's named these awakenings, all right? But the first great awakening, and there was a lot of times God moved throughout the time of Acts. And we see that, but Acts 2, in the beginning, and for the next 30, 40, 50 years, God covered the earth with His Spirit, and people have been saved. And people have been missionary, and they've been called. But even 200 A.D., after the death of Christ, 200 years later, there was great outpouring for 500 years. And now you can see just people returning to God, but then our history begins to, we, we get better at taking history throughout time. So the first great awakening that people will begin to call out Almost a thousand, about 15, 16, 1700 years after Christ had died, was 1725, with a series of revivals taking place with the evangelist by the name of Jonathan Edwards. And in fact, one of his famous sermons were like uh, sinners in the hand of an angry God. I mean, that, he preached that, but he sounds like a mean message, but it really was a very great, if you read his message, he wrote, very grace filled. Very filled of heaven and filled of the anointing of God. And people were saved. And George Whitfield joined him. And this revival started in America and went across to England. And then the second great awakening we find was 1790. And it happened in small towns and small places in the hills of Kentucky. In fact, this revival had took place so strongly that in 1811 that this revival swept the nation. Also went to England again uh, in the revival. But... Just in our nation, one-third of our nation had attended these revival meetings. Could you imagine if such an awakening would take place just right here out of London? God can do it. And one-third in these meetings that we'd had evangelists go out of here, and we just begin to impact the nation. And that one-third of America would attend our revival. Could you imagine what would happen if one-third of America attended an awakening and God really moved Could you imagine if one-third of America attended church? We wouldn't have enough churches built. We don't have enough space in our buildings. We'd have to do seven services right here in Logan, not two. On Sunday, we'd be here from 8 a.m. until in the evening. I'd have to get five worship teams to carry on. They'd all quit me. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I'm just joking. I know you guys with me through the high times and low times. Yes, there you go. Hey, I like that. Yeah, this put me in the air. 
No, we have fun. But, you know, those are great awakenings. But then 1905, or 1904 to 1905 is what we call the Welsh Revival, that really began to stem out of a place called Wells. That this guy by the name of Andrew Roberts began to preach it, and it just began to take the nation. They're known as the United Kingdom today. Uh, uh, just began to take it over. And 100,000 people were saved there. But this revival sparked something in Los Angeles, California, known as the Azusa Street Revival, where they believe around 5 million people got saved. The revival was so strong in 1906 in Azusa Street that they, the Shekinah glory could be naturally seen. That they would call the fire department to come to put out the fire, thinking that it was on fire, but it was on fire with the Holy Spirit. And people see smoke over the buildings. They're like, man, they're burning. Their, their churches are burning. They call it. Fire departments show up. They get start weeping and get saved. Sellers will be on their boats selling by, not understanding why they need to repent and call on God. They're overcome with conviction. But Azusa Street was under the glorious power of God. And, and such an awakening was taking place. Then the next great awakening is what I would call happened in China. See, in China from 1953, starting 1953, there was only 2 million Christians in China, which isn't a lot because they got a big population. But by the time 1980 hit, they had 75 million Christians. Now, think about this. They couldn't preach in a building. They called it the underground church. They had to meet in small groups like we do just for our discipleship. They had to meet in big places uh, underground and different places just and hide their buildings and hide where they would meet. But 75 million people was serving the Lord in China by 1980 in a place that was illegal to preach Christ. People would go to jail. By, in fact, the, the, the song In the Garden was written by a person, a missionary, a person that was preaching in China that he was begin to imagine one day that song in the garden why he's going through sewage everybody else's sewage because it was so tight with so many people they'd thrown him in jail and he was just going through the sewage and he began to imagine so the way I got through it I imagined it was God's garden and he wrote the song in the garden I mean such an awakening had taken place Africa continues to have moments and continual revival in places where hundreds of thousands meet at one time and get saved why do we need an awakening I mean, why are you preaching this today to a house full of Christians? Because it starts in the house of God. Amen. It always starts here. Before it ever begins to hit the region, hit the loss, I believe God's calling prodigals to come back. People's having experience with God. They may be lukewarm. They're prodigals. They're wondering a little bit, but they just need to come back and get on fire with God. And then I believe that God's calling people to come in that's never had an experience with God. In fact, we've seen some of those in the last year at the church. People in their 20s, they had never repented and asked the Lord in their heart. First time in their life, they didn't do it in children's church. They didn't do it at time. And it's fun to watch them because you don't have to unteach anything. I mean, they just take it what it is right in. They believe it all. You're like, this is radical stuff right here. And, and you're like, I wish I could, you know, get on their level sometimes because they just take it in like a baby when it's three years old and they believe in anything. And, the faith, and their faith is just huge. So I believe God's even bringing that in. But why do we need an awakening? Number one, because the increase of uh, ungodliness, the violence, the crime. Uh, humanity is doing more sinister things today than it ever has. I mean, we need people 
people to really be set free from bondages and different things that they've been dealing with. And I believe God is about to shake our nation. And I really believe before the second coming of Christ is when we rule and reign with him for a thousand years, there's going to be this thing called the rapture or what we call the great catching away in Scripture that God is going to... Tell Gabriel to sound the trumpet. Jesus is going to meet us in the eastern sky. And, but before that time, I'm really looking for an awakening in our nation. Amen. I mean, I don't know what other people think, think, but I'm really believing, and I am looking for this. People are tired of faith. They're tired of faith in church. They're tired of the church not giving them purpose. And I believe it's not that the church means to. It's just the church hasn't came fully alive and awake so people can have the fulfillment of purpose in our life. People are tired of the world leaving them unfulfilled. So why not here in Logan? And I'll be honest, I ask God. I say, God, why? I know that we're prepared for this. And you're like, what do you mean? I believe God would never send a great awakening to a church or to a churches in an area. Because I believe when God sends an awakening, it'll be more than our church experience. There'll be other churches with us. We're not going to be out here just on an island because even at the Welsh Revival, the Zusa Street, it might have started with the preacher, started for church, but then churches would be, every church would be filled. Every preacher would be touched and changed by it. And I believe that's what's going to happen in our nation is that churches are going to be changed. It's not going to be one building. It's not going to be like a Brownsville revival, one spot. I really believe it's going to be an awakening that sweeps across many churches. And what do you mean we're ready? I, if you're not structurally ready and trained and ready to host something like this, God will never send it. He'll never send something to a people that's not ready for it. I mean, we're ready through small groups for the way we get people through next step, to learn about their, uh, their gifts, how we get people involved in the church, all those things. I and mean, even in Acts 1, before the Great Awakening happened in Acts 2, we can find that God really did have those people. He had them prepared. He prepared them before Pentecost ever happened. They prayed and they tarried in the upper room and they remained united, but they also conducted business. They had to replace Judas uh, with Matthias by casting lots according to Acts 1 and 26. And they added that one guy, Matthias, to the other disciples to make up 12 so that they would know how to turn the world upside down, so that they would have a system of being trained. And think about the early church, how much they had to have, have it together. They didn't have a building, and the first day they meet, they have 3,000 saved. Now, they better be ready. What homes are we opening up today? What homes this week are we up? We're going to open up homes every day of the week, and we're going to have life groups and do small groups in life everywhere that we can. That's what they did, and that's how they met. They had a system of discipleship and how to get things through. So I believe that our church has been preparing for the last 11 years for this. But I believe it's deeper than that. Our history of this church is unreal. When you look at it, some of the greatest missionaries to ever live came out of this church. And it was even before they moved locations from Aracoma, they called it the church up on the hill, then moved here. Uh, we, we had the, the, the Carey brothers, Bob and Lovell Carey. They was unreal. They, I mean, they went to nations, and God used them in, in just some crazy ways. And we all know Sister Hale taught school, Logan County, but her mom, Sister Jeffries, was just an unreal lady too. But God used her in such a way that people would call across seas to just to get her to pray for them. I mean, like, you'd be over there busy, and they say, and someone would just call from a different land. And say, hey, I want you to pray. And she would just instill wisdom and so many things. But I can go on and on about different things that have been prophesied about our church in the 60s and 70s, even before I was born. 
So it's not about me. I'm trying to stay low. Just letting you know, God has his hand upon this church. But things would be said like Sister Helen was talking about these men of God that were part of this church. They'd say, if West Logan is a sleeping giant, if it would just come alive, move its left hand or pinky finger, that it would begin to shake a nation. And I really believe, still yet, that God's hand's upon us here. Not because I'm here, but I believe God put us all here. I believe this is our church. There may be things you don't that you don't agree with that even happens, but you're like, that's my church. That's just where I'm at. Because I believe God called you here for such a time as this to use your gifts and talents into this place. All right? So had the disciples only prayed and not had built an infrastructure, they wouldn't be able to handle the growth in Acts 2. But they had planned. They had an infrastructure. They had structure about them because God is a God of structure. And the Holy Spirit will not function freely in a disorganized or an atmosphere of chaos. In fact, anywhere there's chaos, there's a lot of flesh or a lot of devil. Amen. Right. And I don't care if that's in your head or if that's in your home. If there's chaos... There's a lot of flesh or a lot of devil in it. But when there's order and functioning and there's clarity, then you know it's a place where God is residing. God wants us, our minds to be clear. He wants our families that had clear vision. He wants our church that had clear vision. And we do that by spending time with God in the presence of God. And anywhere God shows up, chaos has to leave and, and organization and structure comes. But let's get to our text and talk about the spiritual side. So this valley, God takes Ezekiel out. He carries him out there in a vision, and Ezekiel sees this valley full of dead man's bones. Now, could you imagine looking at these bones? But they wasn't just dead. There was no proper burial. You study out the time that this was a disgrace to those bones and the people that had died. They had been discredited. They had been pushed aside. See, I believe that we have lost confidence in the church today. I believe people's lost confidence in the church, but God never has. Amen. God's never lost confidence in what he has called the church to be. So it's not like, ah, it's just church. You know, it's more than that, but that, that's the way we feel about it. But I feel like that sometimes the church is like those bones. It's been disgraced. It's been discredited. And, you know, no one really wants to pay attention to it. And it's just like one of those things we just need to get done. But it's deeper than that, that the church is supposed to be the life and the community of our being and our lives. It's just not church. It's just not coming to the house of God. God created you for relationship. First, relationship with him, and then secondly, relationship with others that have relationship with God. So God created you for that. But also, these bones not only represent the church coming up, but it represents every prodigal. It represents every person that's been discredited. It represents people in society that others say never has a chance ever be anything. And that's not right either. So these bones represent everything that can be discredited or disgraced in the earth. See, our society has been dried. And many people have become dead to the things of God. See, God asked Ezekiel, can these bones live again? Now, if you imagine, it's like, God, you brought me in this vision. If you've ever had a vision before, it's like reality. You know it's a vision, but it's like reality. Usually a lot takes place in, this, in a vision with God or a dream. A lot takes place in a short time. 
Just like it just goes like a speed, but you understand everything, you can see it. And, and no doubt Ezekiel was like, well, God, you, you brought me out here. And he actually responded to God, God, only you know. In fact, he said, God, all things are possible with you, but only you know what you want to do with these bones. I'm not going to say you can't do it, but can I tell you today that God can make anybody he wants to be a, a prophet or a preacher or a worship leader, or a musician, or somebody great for the kingdom of God. It don't matter your background, what you've been through, what kind of life you live. God can call you to come up out of that dead place and be resurrected in the fresh life with Him. That's where God calls us. See, God told Ezekiel, well, He said, listen, you prophesy these bones. Now, that sounds foolish, don't it? Now, he brings them out there. Hey, he said, can these bones live again? Ezekiel, Ezekiel, like God, only you know. But he's like, God, I know you can do anything. He's like, I know there's hope in you. There's miracles in you. You're able to do anything. And it sounds foolish. He says, then prophesy to him. Well, think about this. God wants you and I to declare things in the kingdom. He wants us to speak life over death. You know, you go to churches. They may condemn you with a message. They may let you know, listen, the world's over. We're just barely hanging on until Jesus comes. Listen, you've got to get out of a church like that. Amen. Because that's not the life God's called us to live, to barely hang on and have poverty thinking. And I call it stinking thinking. I believe God's called us to have a life in him full of power, full of anointing, that we can speak life to the dead and the dead must raise. See, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 18 said, For the message of the cross... Is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. So we know the gospel, the word of God, is powerful. But to those that have not experienced relationship with God, they think it's foolish. Now, revival and awakening in God is about us taking God's word serious, begin to speak God's word, and begin to speak hope and life. When we join with God in what he has spoken, and we begin to declare as Ezekiel was about to declare in the scripture, we are speaking life to dead things, okay? Now, I'm not talking about foolish preaching. What do you mean by foolish preaching? Foolish preaching is, well, God wants me to have a million dollars. I'm just like, I'm getting a million dollars. God. I'm speaking life, a million dollars. That's foolish. That's greed. I believe God wants us prosperous. But then I'm talking about speaking life in the sense of spiritual things in our life. Yes, God can impact materials in our life. I understand that, but we need to focus first on Him, His kingdom. The Bible says everything we have need of, He'll give it to us, every need that we have. So I'm not talking about foolish preaching, but I'm talking about the foolishness of preaching. I told them in the 9 o'clock service, I said, this is the reason why people quit sitting on the front row right here. It's because every now and then I spit on them. And it's very good for COVID, you know, that spit play. Every now and then while I'm going down the road with Ethan and I'll be talking to him and uh, a little piece of spit. Dad, I think you just spit on me. I went, well, I'm preaching. I'm anointed right now. So take it. Sometimes my screen on my iPad is just nasty. I have to wipe it down after some days. It's just full of like spit. But I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. So preaching can come across foolish. But I'm, if you're preaching the gospel, then it is the power of God unto salvation that changes lives, that breaks strongholds, that brings about revival, that brings about renewal, and raises up an awakening to a generation that needs to be awoken and awakened to the things of God. Yeah. We talk about this generation, this woke 
generation. What we need is to be woke in Christ and woke in God. Not over things to do with social issues, but if we're woke in God, we won't have to worry about all the other issues because everything we have need us when we seek His kingdom, He gives it to us. Right? We need awakening in God before we can wake up everything else, but we're so worried of getting our hands and making it worse. Because everything, you know, humanity can be good at things. But there's sometimes our best is only our best in humanity, but there's nothing that tops when God really begins to move and begins to bless the people of God. So we got to speak life. we got to speak revival. we got to speak awakening into the land. So Ezekiel told the dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Now, when I first started preaching, my dad pastored this little small church, Stone Branch. Stone Branch Church of God, but before you got the building you see now, there's this little one. You keep going. It's on the right going towards uh, Hearts, but on the left you see this little building. Now, a lot built on the left. Many people didn't know. But I remember when I first started preaching, I'd go down there late at night, and I would preach my message four or five times to those pews. I'd point at them. I'd be like, God, and in the middle of my preaching, I would just stop. i said, say, God, and whoever sits there, they need to heal. Let them be healed. I mean, that's what I would do. You're like, that's crazy. That's foolish. Well, no, no, no. I was praying and I was declaring. I was agreeing with God's word for the needs of the people to be met. I still did the same thing on Sunday morning. I do my Sunday morning walk. I go around. I touch every seat. I touch every instrument. And, and, and I, I quit putting so much oil on my hands because they talked about how there were smears on some of the instruments. So I said, <laughs> might want to leave that alone. We do baptism for oil and that. I get oil. I dump it on the street. Outside, I walk the street. I walk around the church. I declare as they come on the lot that they will feel the presence of God. That something different will be in their life. I'm declaring life where they may be dead. That's not crazy. See, this was a work revival. Something was being restored into the people right here, into this valley of dead bones. And this was God's declaration. There's nothing wrong with you taking God's word and declaring it of your life. See, Ezekiel was only agreeing with the word of God. In fact, this word breath here, this word breath actually comes from an ancient Hebrew words uh, for, for breath and spirit. And it's called the word ruah, which means air in motion, wind, or breath. So ruah, meaning air in motion, wind, or breath. Then it gets a little bit deeper. It actually can mean for a gentle breeze to a stormy wind, depending on what God needs to have happen. Or from a breath that is breathed into a raging passion. Could you imagine that Ruach coming into the church now? God's breath, which is God's spirit, breathing upon us in a raging passion. God has such a passion. What do you mean how passionate is God? He's so passionate he gave up his very best in heaven so we can go to heaven. He gave his only begotten. He sacrificed it all and gave it all so that we could have life. No ands, if, buts, before. No, this is for your life. So this is such a vigor, such a courageous thing that God did. And Ezekiel prophesied and declared what God told him to declare to our human perception to prophesy or declare such words as Ezekiel was proclaiming could possibly seem foolish. But when God's anointing gets behind it and it's God's word that we're agreeing, then power begins to take place. Well, where do you get this in God's word? Well, we, we know in Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of tongue. 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. So whether you speak death or whether you speak life, you're going to have the fruit of what you speak. Luke 7 and 7 says, but say the word and let my servant be healed. This is a guy talking to Jesus. Saying, you ain't have to come to my house for them to be healed. But if you'll just speak the word, I'll grab it, speak it with you, and they'll be healed. So we need to have that kind of word spoken. God, listen, you speak there's coming a revival. We're going to declare there's a revival coming with you. You declare, God, there's an awakening. Then we're going to declare there's an awakening with you, God. And believe that those things are dead will come back to life. Then it goes on in Mark 11, 23. But I tell you, you can say to this mountain, say it. That means speak. God rides on the sound. When God created everything, even up till he created humanity, he formed humanity out of the ground and breathed into them. But before humanity, God spoke it all into existence because God was showing us that creation and life happens when we speak his word. So God was already showing us a way. He said, you can say to this mountain, may be lifted up, thrown in the sea, and it will happen, but you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. So you've got to speak the things of God with no doubt and know I am joining God with his word on speaking life. In Psalm 107, 19, 20, and they cried out to God. They spoke. They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. He sent his word, the word, saved, speak, and healed them. And delivered them from all their destruction. So from all these accounts, we see that there's life being spoken. Speak life to those dead situations today. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to speak life over death. Yeah. I'm going to speak life over those that people's discredited and disgraced. I'm going to speak life over my church. That it seems like the nation does not even regard the church anymore because of immorality and all the other issues. But I'm going to speak life into my church. Speak life to the dead things. Maybe over your career. Maybe over your family. Maybe over your region. What dead things are in your life or what are dry things in your life that needs to come back to life? See, not only was there death happening in this valley, there's dead bones, but there was all kinds of of bones that were dry, meaning that they had been there a long time. What has been dead and dry in your life for a long time? Let that set in. What is it that's been there so long? So the bones came together, bone to bone. That's a God of order. God did not get confused why he was bringing them together. He wasn't getting the leg bone with the arm goes, no, 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 it was structure. And then the Bible says that Ezekiel pointed out that there was a rattling taking place, that there's a noise. In other words, this order was coming to place. And we need to notice in this kind of vision of how the prophet draws attention to that shaking. What's that look like? What does that look like? Well, the Bible says their skin and flesh was coming upon these bones, but yet they still yet didn't have life. A lot of times we have skins and skin and bones. And we look like we have it all together, but there's still yet not life. We can look like out here we have it all together, but inside there's not the life we need. The God kind of life, the Zoe life, the life that's a Greek word talking about the spirit life of God, a life that we have been awakening in our spirit. See, the stirring of bones, I believe there has been a stirring since COVID. I believe there's been a stirring and a rattling in the church. And then it said, not only was there a sermon, it said that there's an assembling of the bones, that the bones begin to get connected. 
And this is our coming back. And then you see the flesh and the skin coming up on the bones. And, and this is us getting things in the order and things ready for God to move. And the very next thing was, is he's waiting for the breath of God to breathe upon them, which is an awakening. Yeah. So we can be standing like a great army with skin and with flesh. And when you work out a deal, and you'll say, I gotta put more flesh on it, or I gotta put some more skin in the game. And sometimes we have skin and we have flesh to we look like we have it all together. We may even be standing, but there's no life in us with the spirit. So we're waiting the breath of God. They'll come to the music today. In order for awakening to take place, we need the Spirit of God to breathe upon us. Let's look at Ezekiel 37, 9 and 10 again. It says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. Say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied. Once again, it's joined with God's word. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood to their feet as a seemingly great army. God told Ezekiel to prophesy to these slain dead bones. What are the slain dead bones in your life? What's the slain dead bones in our church? What's the slain dead bones in our family? What's the slain dead bones in our region? What are those? We need to speak life to them. Yeah. We need to speak the spirit of God to touch them. Yeah. God told Ezekiel to declare it. He began to declare it. We, he didn't even question and say, I don't know about that, God. I, Lord, I know you brought me out here in this vision, but I don't know if I can say all this. Listen, there's nothing great than when you obey the things of God, even when it looks foolish. There's some things God's told me to do that looks completely foolish before in the kingdom. But yet it's been all God. Some things that made no sense. But I simply just joined him and spoke what he told me to speak. You know, different than a writer writing a song and telling us to write. Or a preacher get up and preach a message that seems crazy to get up to preach. But yet, that's what he did. That was me this week. I'm like, God, why do I need to tell my church to wake up? I think my church is pretty cool. I won't preach to them. Awaken! Because I really believe we need it, including me. We need to be Woke. We need to be awakened. We need the Spirit of God to come. See, it's only the Spirit that brings life. Ezekiel proclaimed the Word of God. He, he said, listen, four winds, oh, breath, breathe on these bones that they may live. And this shows that not only do we need to speak the Word of God, but we need times in the Spirit. And this is where we miss as a church. We are really good declaring the word and teaching the word and being about the word and taking the word in and letting the word be in our life. But we are really bad at not having encounters and experiences in God. Yeah. You can learn the word all day long, but if you don't have an experience, uh -huh. then you never meet where that word is trying to take you. And you never have the true revelation of where the spirit is trying to take you. Because you can know the Word, but it's the Spirit that will give you nuggets of the Word and revelation of the Word and aha moments of the Word. It's the Spirit. that The Word assembles it. But it's the Spirit that brings life to it. 
It's the word that assembles and puts these together in your life. Prosperity and goodness and you have all this structure and, and you get all this knowledge. But then when the Spirit meets the Word and you have an encounter with God and you're not scared of it and you're hungry for it and you're thirsty for it, it's when that Spirit comes like, now I can breathe. That word ruach is actually the word used when a baby takes its first breath. It's like, it's also that word when a person's last breath leaves their body. God wants his life and his breath to be so strong and evident in our life, which is his spirit. Big difference in our best and God's best. Big difference. I, I feel like I'm pretty good at some things. But there, I know what I'm inadequate at. I know what I'm not good at. And those are the times I get down and weep and say, God, you know you got to help me. There's times I get words from God to preach to you. I'm like, God, if you don't show up, it's meaningless today. And today's one of those days. Ezekiel preached and things were happening, but it was the Spirit that still brought law, life. It was the Word assembly because there's just power in His Word. And the Bible says in Isaiah 55, His Word never returns void. But it's His Spirit that brings life to everything, the supernatural favor and movement of God and miracles and great armies rise from declarations, but it's the Spirit that gets them to stand on their feet. I don't want to just have a great army assembled. We have one, but we need the Spirit so we can stand on our feet as a great army. Hope for humanity today is beyond declaring God's Word, but it's life in the Spirit. Ezekiel 37, here it is, 13, 14. He said, and you shall know that I am the Lord when, you open, when I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. You know, some people don't get the church thing. It's because they need to get out of the grave of religion and get in the relationship. They need to get out of the grave of church routine and get into the spirit. It's time to bust out of the graves of being stuck and bound and get into a place of freedom. It's time to bust out of our graves of being satisfied with the things of the world because they just leave us wanting, 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 but it's only God that gives us full purpose and fulfillment in life. Let's bust out the graves of being passive with God and quit playing games and say, God, it's time to be real. And for me and my house, we will go to the house of God. We'll do more than just declare the word that we'll have life in the spirit. Let's bust out the graves of what the world thinks and others thinks and let's get deeper in God. There's graves that must be busted out of in our lives because he loves us. He gave everything for us. He's passionate about you and I. I just want to be passionate about Him. I want us to be a church so passionate, whether it's through word, through spirit. It doesn't matter. I want it all. I don't want to just, you know, there's, there's some places that all they do is pray and they have good church, but they're not structured for a big growth or a big move of God or a lot of salvation. That's okay. But when you begin to put word in a symbol and it's met up with spirit, in time and prayer and worship, explosions begin to happen. That's what happened in Ezekiel 37. Word and spirit came together equally. 
and awakening took place. God's looking for us to be part of a great awakening. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.